Uh, welcome everyone uh, to another episode of the Let's Talk Surgery podcast for RCS Ed. I am your host, Gregory Carter, and as always, I'm joined by my friend, uh, Ceci. Ceci, how are you? I'm fine, Gregory. How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, at the time of the recording, it is just after the new year. Uh, the sun is shining um, and I am once again loving life. Um, how are you doing? How was your uh, winter break? It was okay. Lots of staying indoors as I'm sure was the same for a lot of people but I did get to watch some fireworks in the field behind my house so I feel pretty chuffed. Very good, very good. Um, okay today we have the representatives from the trainee committee on our podcast today I'm pleased to say we're joined by uh, Kelly Bateman and Jill Hardman from the trainees committee. Kelly Jill how are you doing? Hi, yeah, doing well, thank you. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm good, excited to be here. Uh, here excellent, here. The, the audience can't see this because we can mm. see them, but but you can't. Uh, they both look petrified, I'm not <laughs> sure why, but um, we will help them relax as, as we go through. Um, so welcome both. We'll um, start, I think you're, you're both here to send an important message about uh, trainees and well-being. Um, it is a very poignant moment uh, through the last sort of 24 months um, to, to discuss training well-being and especially as we go further uh, into the pandemic. So for reference, currently again at the time of recording, we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic um, and training well-being or well-being of all uh, clinicians really is, is paramount just now. So I'm thrilled to have you or we're thrilled to have you both uh, with us today and I look forward to hearing a lot about what you've got uh, to talk about. Um, but as always on the podcast, I don't know if you've listened to any of ours before, but we tend to know our guests or we try to get to know our guests a little bit better. Um, so Jill, I'm going to start with you. Um, who is Jill Hardman? Uh, who is Jill Hardman? My goodness. Uh, Jill Hardman is... Um, I'm clearly just going to run with my bio, aren't I? Because all we are is our work lives um so i like how you start <laughs> referring to yourself in the third person Go on, jill <laughs> yeah already failing um so yeah i'm jill hardman i'm a cardiothoracic st7 uh based normally in the northwest but i'm out of program for phd research at the moment um so that means that i have given the relative lack of clinical work i'm becoming more of a rounded human being, I think, at this time. And Jill Hardman is doing lots of things that the whole world seems to be doing at the moment, like embracing staying home, uh, watching Netflix, going on my one walk a day, getting to the park regularly. Um, and apart from that, not much else, to be honest. Very good. Um, Jill, cardiothoracics. Uh, we had Paula Rajesh on, on this podcast some time ago. We also had uh, David O'Regan uh, recently. So we, we've had some sampling of cardiothoracic surgeons. And as I said to Paula, uh, you know, my impressions of cardiothoracic surgeons before I met them both were slightly different and you clearly fit that bill as well. Uh, why cardiothoracics? And if cardiothoracics was not a thing, what would you do with yourself? Colorectal is still an option. <laughs> of course. Not everyone wants to do colorectal, Greg. I wonder why. 
Um, well, I, I want to throw back a question and say, what was your impression of cardiothoracics before you met this N equals three sampling of yours? Wow. Um, nice one, Jill Hardman. Uh, usually I, I do the questions here, Jill. No, no. <laughs> now, now, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> My impression of cardiothoracic surgeons before was that um, they were they're very good technically operatively um but the people skills were not necessarily um forefront of their skill sets but you know i i accept that i've been proven wrong and you can tell me a little bit more about why i go to thoracics and i could be inspired well not to change but you know for others to view us as normal human beings perhaps more correct. normal than you thought so. correct, correct. So I, well, you touched on the two things that i I'm a creature of habit. I'm not big on variety. I like to do what I do uh, frequently, often, the same things over and over again and to a really high technical um, ability. And I was really drawn to cardiothoracics from that point of view. There was something really interesting and dynamic about the heart and the lungs and an open chest that thrilled me in a way that a, a craniotomy or an open abdomen didn't really do it for me. But the other side of that as well is that we work in a, a really big team. Um, even our sort of most technically challenging things in theatre involve perfusionists, anaesthetists, huge amount of coordination with your scrub team, your circulating team. And so actually the idea that we're perhaps not the most uh, emotionally intelligent, uh, interactive, <laughs> sociable animals is probably not true because we kind of have to be to get the job yeah. done. So I understand where the myths come from, but hopefully um, the fact that our practice is so reliant on that wider team, that was what drew me to cardiothoracics. Well done, Jill. And that's part of my mission here is to change the narrative around cardiothoracic surgery. So starting with Paula and David and now you, well done. Uh, you're doing a great job. You never quite answered the question of if not cardiothoracics, what else? Oh, uh, yes. Um, if not cardiothoracic. So this was one of those things. I gave myself three shots to get a cardiothoracic job. And honestly, my fallback initially was something like histopathology because I just love the power that they have in the MDT to tell everyone to shut up and this is what the answer is. I, this, yeah, I, that was really attractive to me. But also, I think, like I said, nothing really did it for me like cardiothoracics and part of me would love to be like a chemistry teacher in some inner city London school. I think if it's not cardiothoracics, why not do something completely different and um, so I, I quite like to to inspire future generations somehow and teaching I think would be a great one for me so I can totally not see not as... surgery I'm sorry <laughs> that's okay that's okay I'll accept that I, I was about to say I can totally see you as Miss Hardman the chemistry teacher so uh prof, prof, oh yeah. sorry apologies <laughs> that's me back in my box <laughs> Kelly morning how are you who is Kelly Bateman Morning. Um, so, who is Kelly? Is, is asking for sort of a third person response, isn't it? Um, so, I am an SD4 in general surgery, obviously the best of the surgical specialties. Um, still undecided on my exact direction, but I'm open to persuasion. Uh, currently based in Wales, in Swansea. Um, so I work, I live in Porthcawl, which is right by the beach. So um, uh, I, I love lockdown. I got a dog last year and um, we've been enjoying walks along the beach every day and 
Um, it's been really nice just sort of getting out in the fresh air, going along the coast, um, which has been really good. And uh, trying to avoid work as much as possible, but um, it's been busy. Very good. Um, excellent. And general surgery, SD4, unsure. I mean, I think there is one of the surg one of the general surgeons. This is not about career advice. So I'm going to stop <laughs> trying to convince you. Um, fine. Well, the only other thing I tend to ask here is um, to do with you've you've been on the trainees committee for some time now, haven't you, Kelly? Yeah, um, I joined uh, as a CT2 in oh, 2018, 19. Um, and so, yeah, I've met a sort of real range of people. Um, it's been great sort of interacting with all the council members, um, getting to sort of know people high up who sort of been there and done that and um, it's been really good. And then we've got to work on some great projects. The anti-bullying campaign has been a big thing. Um, and yeah, and sort of, well, I can start talking about the Wellbeing Week. Um, was uh, one of the yeah. we'll, we'll come to that. Um, I, I was going to ask about um, if Noah's Ark appeared, which one of the training committee members would you say? But I think that's a bit unfair. So I'm going to get you off the hook on that one. <laughs> I can see the relief in your eyes. Um, but as you alluded to, I think the trainees committee, um, certainly before I was a part of the college, um, didn't really have much of a clue about what the trainees committee did. Uh, I knew that I got an email every now and then asking me if I wanted to be on the committee or if I wanted to be elected onto the committee. Um, but I thought we'd give you both an opportunity just now. You've talked about a couple of the projects in the past and I know we're going to discuss some of the things to come but as a training committee what are some of the objectives or what are some of the work that you do to represent surgical trainees and dental trainees um, across the land? Uh, yeah so we have sort of I think it's four meetings a year um, where we try and get together um, talk about things that are affecting trainees particularly at the moment sort of exams um, are a big issue, uh, well-being, uh, changes in the curriculum, stuff like that. And then uh, a lot of us have sort of got joint roles uh, where we'll combine with other committees such as ASSET or the Academy of Medical Educators uh, and some subgroups such as the Patient Safety um, Group, uh, Marketing, um, the College. So we're sort of got our f fingers in all the pies, as it were, to sort of make sure that everyone's got a training rep involved so that we can sort of communicate our ideas and our concerns because uh, I think sort of as you progress up the chain you do forget about the things that matter to the F1s and the SHOs and those that are sort of still finding their feet um, and what sort of matters to them day to day and how things are on the ground working so we try and communicate that. Across. Yeah, and, and Jill, certainly I know from some of the other colleges, you know, this trainee, the, the trainee committee for RCS Ed is uh, certainly one of the most influential and certainly has um, the most representatives on it. Um, how do you find the links with office bearers and, and council in terms of access to them, but also pushing through some of the trainee agenda? I think that was something that surprised me quite a lot when I joined. Um, know whether I can say it, but I was a, an England college member from FR, MRCS and joined Edinburgh at FRCS. Um, and I certainly was more drawn to the Edinburgh College because of that 
openness and that um, ability to listen and perhaps be more open to different ideas and part of the trainees committee that I really see yes it's about having representation and having the um, opinions and understanding of uh, issues from a trainees level but it's also been a really really good interesting sort of fertile ground to come up with new ideas and people have been really responsive to that um, big important powerful people um, and that has been really surprising to me it is a very um, it's a very level playing field if you have an idea you feel you can you can talk about it and you will find people who help you develop it. And that's something I was elected in May last year and haven't actually had the opportunity to meet people face to face yet. But despite that and doing everything online, we've managed to have so much activity. It's really surprised me. Yeah. And, you know, inclusive is, is, is the word that, you know, I found certainly when I was, uh, part of the college um, was that you were included in everything. And I know I haven't sat in some of the patient safety group meetings with you. Um, the contributions that come from the trainees committee is always well received. And I think it's important that we get the message out there to trainees on the ground that we do have a committee that's there to represent your interests. So glad to have you both on. And speaking of, you know, trainees and, and as we said at the start, well-being for trainees and, and all medical staff is, is important at this time. But, you know, it's always been important. Um, I suppose we'll come to Kelly first of all. Um, you know, through your training and for other trainees that you know about, um, what are your thoughts around the importance of well-being in surgical training, in particular? Um, well, I, th I think it's always important, and I think particularly now more than ever after the past year, and uh, I think morale's probably lower than it has been in a long while. Um, you know, there's sort of endless studies now talking about sort of burnout amongst doctors, emotional exhaustion is sort of 50, 60, 70 percent uh, among doctors. And, you know, at times people are overwhelmed by it. And I think if they don't have the right support and the right access to things that, you know, some some people do think about changing careers or dropping out of surgery. And you, we lose a lot of very good doctors. Uh, because of the struggles that they've had I think um, you know it's we we sort of think that we're surgeons particularly and we're, we're robots and we've got to do our ward rounds do our jobs do do our theatre lists stay until all the work is done uh, whilst doing publications doing papers um, and it's sort of endless thankless task um, that we never sort of have the time to reflect and sort of take a moment for ourselves I think just before the podcast we were chatting with Jill and she's saying now she's um doing her PhD she's sort of got a bit more time to actually be a human being and look after herself and I think it's something that we do take for granted as surgeons and, and maybe it's sort of as a male dominated specialty and um, perhaps people don't want to talk about their feelings and how they're getting on with the job and um, issues that they're facing um, and I think it's something that we need to start talking about and start improving um, so that we can enjoy our jobs and enjoy our, our lives outside of work at the same time. I think you've hit the nail on the head uh, multiple times, actually. I think uh, you're right. We don't talk about it enough. Um, surgical training is tough. 
surgical training is, is difficult, it's high pressured, and you've rattled off some of the expectations from us, ward rounds, theatres, uh, exams, publications, etc. Um, and it's important to talk about it. And I think as generations move on, certainly uh, from whenever we started, Jill and I, um, how back then, I don't... I don't there wasn't as much focus on talking about how you felt and, and how tough things was, but I, I find that as the years have gone on, you it's okay to talk about it now. And, and I hope that continues as we move forward. And you know, the trainees committee did a lot of work in the last couple of years around surveying its membership and, and trainees across and seeing where some of the pressures were. I know that was work that was really well received um, by trainees, um, but also by affiliate organizations such as the GMC, um, other colleges, the Academy and um, NES or NHS Education for Scotland up, up here in Scotland. So, you know, hats off to you guys and, and I'm happy to support the work that you continue to do around well-being in, in surgical training, which we'll come to talk about. Uh, Jill, you're obviously part of the patient safety group and we know that trainee well-being um, is intricately linked to patient safety. What are your views around that and some of the work that you continue to do with regards to patient safety? I think, you know, we've touched on lots of things there about um, being human and feelings and traditionally lots of things that are kind of viewed within our culture as perhaps more fluffy and girly and not uh, representative of what the surgical macho culture looks like. And yet the flip side of that is that in order to do our jobs properly, we come back time and time again to the fact that you need to be in a good psychological and physiological state to get the job done and to improve your performance. And certainly when you take a human factors approach to patient safety, you can immediately see that those threats to our physiology, fatigue, sleep, uh, deprivation, uh, incivility, bullying, psychological unsafety, they're frequently cited in episodes of when things go wrong for patients. So even if you don't believe in the fluffy, lovely side of well-being and, uh, and taking care of yourself, you have to at least recognize that um, this is part of our performance as human beings. Uh, and I think when you start to look at it in the same way that we do with patient safety, when you look at times when perhaps you haven't been performing your best, you know, when I'm good, I'm very good. I'm confident, I'm decisive, I get the job done. I'm a joy to be around, I work well with my team. But there are other times when I consider to computer and agonize over a single blood test and not be able to decide what to do about it. And I dread leaving the theater changing rooms. And, um, you know, I haven't changed fundamentally. What has changed is I'm probably exhausted. I'm lacking sleep. I'm under a lot of pressure to get other jobs done. I may have been treated quite badly by a colleague or someone has spoken to me and undermined me. Those are the things that affect my performance. Uh, and I think well-being is inextricably linked in all of those things. Um, and really, COVID and the pandemic has given us all this opportunity, not just in healthcare, but in every aspect of our lives, to think about what work means to us, what risks we take when we go to work, how our work impacts our mental health and our physical health, and also our vulnerability. People are getting sick. Um, people have chronic diseases that perhaps we kept quiet about. Um, people have had to shield. We have a very ableist, macho culture where 
we still wear these ideas of burnout and sleep deprivation and exhaustion as a sort of badge of honor and despite the impact it has on patient safety we don't always align our culture very well with achieving our best possible performance um, and that is what blows my mind still um, but the culture won't change until we talk about it until we do more about it until we can role model to future generations how you do this job whilst being human and whilst looking after yourself and i think that's part of what certainly kelly's idea for the well-being week if we can start to be more open and vocal and focus people's attention on this area. Hopefully we can then feed this into everybody's practice and get people to role model this to future generations. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and you know, echo every point that you've made, particularly the fact that change won't happen unless we make it happen. Uh, change won't happen unless we start talking about it and you know the point about vulnerability is one that every surgical every surgeon out there uh, needs to take on board I remember being pre taking a year out to do the leadership fellowship and embracing all of those magic cultures that you talk about burnout is not a thing lunches for the week all of these silly things that we say to ourselves uh, day in day out that we know is not true uh, it's important to get rest it's important you know to ensure that psychologically you're all there because that affects your performance and, and consequently patient safety um, but just on the point of vulnerability and this is something Ceci and I have discussed previously uh, when I took the year out uh, found this lady called Brene Brown who talks about uh, being vulnerable and, and talking about it. And, you know, I would urge anybody out there who's listening to this, including you, Ceci, uh, to take a minute and listen to what she's got to say about embracing vulnerability. And it's okay to talk about it. It's, it's absolutely okay. So, you know, hats off to what you guys are doing and, and more than happy to, to support it. It's all good work. Well, Greg, as soon as Jill said vulnerability, I knew that you had to bring up Brene. But um, I agree wholeheartedly with everything both Jill and Kelly have said. Um, I guess one final little comment would be what I've discussed very recently with um, David O'Regan, who we all know is the um, head of the Faculty of Surgical Trainers. Uh, training doesn't have to hurt. It can still be fun. And there's a reason we all got into surgery in the first place. So I think the work that you guys are doing is really important. I think also we should maybe get Renee on our podcast at some point. I think working that... on it. I am working on it. Don't, <laughs> don't you worry. She'll be here soon. She's got her own podcast, but you know, we can, we can tap it. Yeah, might as well. Right. Now back to you, Kelly, because I know that this wellbeing week has very much been your brainchild, your baby. You've been a huge driving force supported by the trainees committee. Why don't you tell us about um, what gave you the inspiration to do this and what it took to bring it into fruition? Um, yeah, so this is actually something I've been thinking about for over a year now, I think. It's um, been bubbling away in the back of my mind. And it actually started um, at a council meeting uh, with the college that we had, I think it was November 2019. It's decent while ago now and it was when we were um we were presenting some of the work that the trainees committee had done um oh, i've forgotten what it's called now looking at um factors affecting workplace and well-being and you know sort of um 
having sort of space to rest, um, good on-call support and stuff like that. Um, and we presented that and we also got some guest speakers in from the Association of Anaesthetists. Uh, one of their former presidents, Sally Al Ghazali, um, came in and spoke to us about a lot of the work that they've been doing on wellbeing. Um, they sort of had a recent campaign, the hashtag coffee in a gas, uh, to encourage anaesthetists to have a chat with their colleagues, well, have a, a coffee by the, by the gas machine as they do. <laughs> um, and a lot of their work that they've been doing on sort of fighting fatigue um, and support with night shifts, encouraging kids sleep. Um, particularly after the sort of tragic death of um, one of their trainees uh, who crashed whilst driving home tired after a night shift. Um, and they sort of got us all bubbling and suggesting ideas of what the college could do to um, improve wellbeing and sort of and our table sort of suggested this wellbeing week uh, of uh, a series of events where we can sort of just talk about well-being we can sort of dedicate a little time to ourselves we do some fun activities um and then it was sort of it was just sort of forgotten about after that and we were like oh yeah it's a great idea we everyone seemed to enjoy it and um, but then we sort of got a bit preoccupied and then in the new year I was like oh why don't we run with it why don't we push this forwards a little bit more um and then the pandemic came um and obviously everything sort of went into chaos. Everyone was pre preoccupied, rewriting rotors and yeah. planning meetings. And, and we were all like, oh, it'll be over soon. Just, we've just got a knuckle down. We'll be really busy. And then we can go back to normal. And yeah, we can do the, the wellbeing week then. Um, and then I think, you know, as the year's gone on, uh, sort of in the summer, we realised that this pandemic isn't going away uh, anytime soon. And as we've talked about, morale is really low. You know, trainees are so fed up. Um, their sort of plans are changing from one day to the next. They're being redeployed to medicine. Um, and, you know, they're stuck on the wards. Their patients are dying. Uh, they're not going home to see their families. Um, they're not allowed out to see their friends. You know, all the, all the positive aspects of the job are sort of gone. And, um, so I think we were like, we really need to do something as a trainees committee um, to improve the situation um, and get things going. Uh, so we came up then to sort of push the wellbeing week idea forward again. We said, what, why can't we do all of this virtually? Um, do it online. We're all experts in webinars now and podcasts and using our social media to interact. Um, and so we thought that now's the time to go forward so said we're hoping and um, the first to the 5th of march uh is going to be our well-being week and um, and we've got different themes for each day um so the monday is going to be sort of our educate so we're going to talk about what is well-being why is it important um and then throughout the week we're gonna sort of focus on how we can uh support our own well-being and the well-being of our colleagues our peers our juniors um so we're going to talk about sort of just general activities you know how we manage work-life balance uh, how we can work on resilience preventing burnout uh, and how we can just communicate to others and support others so uh, it should be hopefully a really fun week of events that we've got to look forward to
You're on mute, Ceci. Oh, wonderful. You know, that's so great. It reminds me of the um, display that was made at New Year's in London. And one of the light-up displays um, that were coordinated by the drones was a big year on mute sign. So that is so apt. So that is just the theme of 2020. Um, but what I was saying is, um, I, I feel so sad um, when you mentioned that trainee that um, unfortunately crashed and died. And it reminds me of a recent article that my husband, who's a GP, showed me about how the effects of exhaustion is similar to when you've been ingesting large um, quantities of alcohol and we drive home and we practice and we see patients while being exhausted and this pandemic has stretched that to a new high so I think it's very important all the things that you were saying in, in the well-being week and I'm so excited about it I mean what do you think Greg? Yeah I, th I think it's uh, phenomenal work that you guys are doing um, I think it's well and truly overdue uh, I know a lot of what you said resonated uh, deeply because the first wave of the pandemic, I was out of program and now I am in the middle of it um, with, you know, lists being canceled. And as surgical trainees, you know, we accept that it's going to be, uh, you know, it's tough. There's a lot of work to do, but the, the benefit of all that graph that you put in is you get trained, but now we can't get trained because elective, operating is, is being cancelled left right and center elective sorry emergency work again uh, some of it has been uh, limited by covid activity etc and so we are getting no training but being redeployed you know here there and everywhere and there'll be people coming to the end of their training who have certain numbers to hit of things competencies to achieve who are getting more and more worried about whether or not they're able to achieve that um, coming to the end of training. So I think certainly a week like this where we can all come together and talk about what's on our minds and how we can um, how we can do better, how, how what strategies we can employ to get to get past this is, is critically important. And I actually would uh, challenge you as a trainees committee to uh, make this a well-being week that is a recurring theme so this should not just be a one-off event but should be an annual event that is on the college's calendar uh, year in year out because you know trainee well-being or well-being of doctors is not a thing for 2020 or 2021 it's a thing for every year so if if that's a challenge you guys can embrace then please do well spoken, Greg, and I think all our listeners would wholeheartedly agree with that. We're lucky to be part of one of the most innovative surgical colleges that really does listen to trainees. So I think that idea is something that will be well received. Um, so Kelly touched on a little bit on the background of the trainee um, well-being week and what to look forward to. Um, can I come to you, Jill, to just let us know a little bit about specific events that trainees can look forward to, just create a bit of excitement? Because I'm sure everyone is excited already, but what can we look forward to? So I think you've, you've kind of touched on a few of the important points that we want to take forward with this. We want to hear from you all, um, trainees, practicing surgeons, every level, dentists, anyone who is uh, involved in the college and represented by the college. We want to know what this experience has been like for you, particularly given the pandemic and the current threats to your well-being, because we recognize that we're working in a 
uh, a slightly different um, climate than we normally do on top of all of those other things that I've already touched on in terms of our usual surgical culture. So we want to hear from you. We want to know what the challenges have been. We want to um, know what they've been just because that in itself is an important thing to share your own vulnerability um, knowing that you're not on your own in this and that other people have had similar experiences and then perhaps as an extension of that we can talk about how you've overcome some of those challenges it's never just as simple as um, get more sleep and don't check your emails as <laughs> I've been talking about earlier on today um, you know as you've mentioned, Greg, we get a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction out of the things that we do. That's why we do it. And so it's not a case of just locking yourself away and then you'll feel better in a couple of days time. It is challenging. And so if we can share our ideas between ourselves, if we can know that other people are in the same position and learn from other people's experiences, then we hope we can build on that. Um, and then on top of that, as Kelly's already said, we're going to theme each of the days and every evening there will be uh, a webinar panel discussion. And we want to make this as interactive as possible. As we've said, we kind of postpone this waiting for normality to return. Uh, and everyone is very quickly realized that normality isn't going to return anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But that has left people very isolated and working in silos. We're not having that downtime that we used to do where we go on courses and we get together and we perhaps go for a drink in the, in the bar after uh, a meeting. We're not having that anymore. So as best as we can, we want to do this in an interactive way. If you attend the webinars, we want chats, we want conversations, we want questions, we want panel discussions. And within each of those themes, we will have uh, a really good mix of people representing lots of areas of our practice, but also psychologists, people who are very keen to change the culture. Um, one of the days that I'm particularly excited about is the Friday where we look at moving forward and how we change our workplace, how we make our working lives better so that we can maintain our well-being into the future and maybe start to change some of that culture. Um. Super excited about this and um, as, as we hear more and more about what um, is to come and what you guys have planned. Um, it actually, you know, I'm looking forward to it more and more. But the one other second challenge from, from Greg T is that, as we've discussed, our college is fairly inclusive. And the other group, so we've talked about surgeons, we've talked about dentists, but we also have perioperative care practitioners. And a lot of them would have been redeployed uh, to, other, to other areas. Um, and so it's also important that we engage with them. So uh, you might already have this, but I, I hope we get to hear from them um, as well and learn from some of their experiences. And also we might be able to give them a tip or two about how to cope um, with redeployment, says he who wasn't redeployed, but you know what I mean. You can all talk about it. Here, here. Now, Kelly, I know that there have been a whole host of really exciting speakers that you have arm twisted, begged, herded together, whatever you want to say. But anyway, you've done a fantastic job getting some people on board. Who are some of the people who we can look forward to hearing from on the various panels during the week? 
Um, yes, yeah, so it's still very much a work in progress. And um, if anyone is interested in being a speaker, you can always get in touch with us as well. And um, if you've got nice. good <laughs> ideas, we're keen to have people involved. And um, we've got obviously we've got some great council members that we're already uh, hoping to get involved. Uh, the president's going to be helping judge our art and poetry competition. And um, we're going to have Anna Paisley from the Patient Safety Group and uh, David O'Regan from the Faculty of Surgical Trainers uh, going to talk about a lot of the work that they've already been doing, particularly throughout the past year um, and try and support some of those. Um, we've got some anaesthetists and uh, I've got Dr. Mark Stacey, uh, who does a lot of work on resilience and um, he's done a lot of teaching for me in the past. Um, who else? Oh. Um, I've got a few sort of surgical trainees who are quite vocal, um, sort of Greta McLaughlin, um, I've been doing a lot of work to support women in surgery and leadership uh, with that. We've got some psychologists in the work and some occupational therapists. Um, and we're also, we've got some really interesting people. I've got uh, Dr. Roshni Bihari is um, a GP and creative writer and she's going to be doing some writing well-being workshops um, and we've got Heidi Ed, Dr Heidi Edmondson's A&E doctor who's been doing sort of uh, workplace activities to make the work environment more fun and she's going to talk to us about that and um, we've got some artists talking about uh, how they uh, combine healthcare and well-being in art and uh, it's going to do some sort of taster sessions for us as well uh, even for the very beginners like myself who uh, can barely draw a smiley face and um, they're going to teach us some skills and tricks um, and it's it's been great as well uh, just the response that I've had when talking to people about this everyone is so enthusiastic to get involved and they're sort of giving up a lot of free time um, to sort of help prepare this and plan it. So um, hopefully by the time this podcast gets released, um, we should have a sort of full confirmed list of speakers out and available on the college website uh, for everyone to have a look at. And uh, hopefully my plan is to take over Twitter and Instagram um, with hashtags and tweets galore about well-being and all the great activities and speakers that we're hearing from so it should be really fun absolutely excellent i really can't wait and for all our listeners out there um tell a friend tell 10 friends tweet about it put it on instagram because it's so fantastic the work that these ladies and the entire trainees committee is doing and i think it's very important that as surgical trainees we remember at the heart of it all, we're still people with hobbies and families and personalities. So let's break the misconception that we are heartless, soulless machines who just live to work. We are people who have skills and talents and, and hobbies that we, we love to share and we love to indulge in. And for those of us more junior coming behind us, have a life. That's the best advice I can possibly give you moving forward. Work is not everything. I don't know if you have any words to add to that, Greg. No, I know you have words to add to that. So why don't you just come in? <laughs> it is a podcast. Um, no, I, I think you've, you've all said it. You've all said it uh, pretty well, Kelly, uh, Jillian. We look forward to it. Um, 
if there's anything we can do to help facilitate it, let us know. Uh, we'd be more than happy to help. Um, I think what we might also try to do is to create some more buzz. We can even run a, a vodcast around the same time of your well-being week as one way to bring um, more of the messaging out there and, and get some more of your speakers or just anybody really that wants to come and talk uh, either on a podcast or a podcast. And by all means, I'll, I'll be happy to come and um, help facilitate that too. Uh, great work. Keep doing what you're doing. Kelly, the one question I had for you before I let you go, I didn't want to ask you this at the start because I thought it might uh, usurp some of what you were here to talk about. Um, clearly, you're a champion of well-being. Uh, what do you do to keep yourself sane? Uh, well, as I said, walking with my dog um, is very good. Um, and I've getting into my yoga quite recently, um, so I've been doing a lot of that. And um, actually, I think the sort of past few months, I have sort of been neglecting my my well-being generally. I think, and I've sort of gotten it. So um, as we come into the new year, I was sort of having a fresh start, and um, I'm doing some mindfulness now, which I've always sort of dismissed in the past as a, a bit of a waste of time. But actually, it's quite nice to take a few moments just before bed to relax and think about the good of the day and and where we've got going and um uh so i'm tr trying some new things as you know i've got the time now and i'm sort of not having social interactions too much so i'm finding new ways to look after myself great great look we're i i for one i'm certainly looking forward to uh, to the well-being week the only thing the only shame is that we couldn't do it in person but you know nowadays as you both said we're experts at all things digital um but hopefully this will be an annual event and uh, in the future we can all meet in the college or whatever other venue you have lined up for this so hats off to you guys again well done again and uh, really look forward to it any final messages from yourself jillian uh, no, I don't think I have anything in particular to add. As Kelly mentioned, um, by the time the podcast comes out, there will hopefully be a full um, list of all of our events, our speakers, the webinars that you can sign up to, and some of those um, other events that Kelly's mentioned, poetry competitions, yoga classes, art classes, etc. cetera. Uh, so please check the college website and sign up. And as I mentioned earlier, get in touch, interact on the webinars, let us know what you've been through and let's share some of our ideas about how we change our culture and improve well-being for everyone in surgery. And how can people get in touch with you both about uh, getting involved? I don't actually know the answer to that yet, so cut that bit out. Um, uh, <laughs> no, so... Um, you can use our generic email through comms at RCSA. Yes. Well, I'll ask you. Uh, well, Ceci, you can cover that at, at the close. Go for it. Um, right, guys. It has been absolutely fantastic having you here um, talking about some issues that are so important, not just to trainees, but even mature surgeons, whatever area you are or level you are in your career, everyone can do with some well-being. And even beyond surgery, as um, Greg says, we have so many allied professionals that work with us. We are all one big team with the patient at the heart of it. So we can all do with looking after ourselves. So kudos to you both. Um, guys, if you want to know more, you have some questions to ask of Kelly or Jill, or even if you want to just get involved, our 
Email address is always there. It is comms at rcsed.ac.uk. So that's C-O-M-M-S at rcsed.ac.uk. You can drop us an email and we'll make sure that they get it and they know that you want to get involved. Until next time, as always, stay safe and be kind to each other. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Kelly. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.